So the word that God has given me today, and it's going to come up on the screen for you, is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, it's a good question. Well, the answer is in Scripture. And in Jeremiah 32, and this will come up on the screen for you as well, it says this in verse 26 and 27. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? This scripture is also found in Genesis 18, 14, when the Lord actually told Abraham that Sarah, his wife, was going to have a son, even though Sarah was well past the age of childbearing. And Sarah had been listening at the entrance to the tent, and she actually laughed. Can you believe that? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you know that there is nothing, amen, that is too hard from the Lord. These words both times came from the Lord God Almighty. But it's a rhetorical question because there is nothing... I said there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. Amen. Our God is almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, creator of all things. And there is nothing that is too hard for him. Regardless of the situations that you are going through right at this minute, there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. Jesus said this in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So we're actually going to look today at an event that happened in the Old Testament that definitely defied natural logic, but not for a supernatural God. Amen? And our God is supernatural. So I hope you've got your Bibles with you, but can you please turn to Daniel chapter 6? And some of you will know this story well, because it's about Daniel in the lion's den. So we're going to look at what happened and why it happened and what God's going to say to us today through it, even in 2023. So you can follow it in your Bibles. I'm reading from the NIV, but I will be mentioning also the New King James in this. So it pleased Darius, he was the king, to appoint 120 satraps, they were like government officials, to rule throughout his kingdom. And he had three administrators over them, and one of whom was Daniel. Now, the Bible tells us that the satraps were made accountable to the administrators so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, or the um, New King James tells us, by his excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And all how God wants us to have as his children an excellent spirit. And if you look at that word excellent in the original Hebrew, it actually means preeminence. So Daniel's spirit was essentially preeminent over his flesh. 
you know, it says this in Galatians, doesn't it? It said, when we walk by the Spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And here was a man that was totally set apart and dedicated to God. And again, isn't that what God wants for us as his children? That the Bible says that we deny ourselves, that we pick up our cross daily and we follow Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's why we're here, isn't it? That's what it's about. And we heard that from Oliver the other week. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we've got unveiled faces and we reflect the Lord's glory, hallelujah, and we're transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, hallelujah. Do you know, that's why we need to radiate Jesus, hallelujah, wherever we go, that when people look at us, they say, what is it about you that is different? Because we're reflecting Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And you know, the more we walk with the Lord and the closer we walk, the more we are going to reflect the glory of the Lord. So Daniel had an excellent spirit and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. What an honor. He was going to set him over the whole kingdom. So he trusted him. He knew him. He'd seen how he worked. And he was a man that he'd planned to elevate above all the others. So let's have a quick look at his journey to see how he actually got and arrived in this role in the king's palace. So Daniel, he was back a teenager in 605 BC. We're going back a long way. He was a young man. He was taken from his home. He was taken from his family. He was taken from everything he knew. And he was taken into captivity by the king of Babylon. Now, the Bible tells us that the Israelites, when they were taken, they were from the royal family or they were from nobility. And Daniel was one of those. And basically, he was expected to learn the language and literature of the Babylonians They were going to be trained for three years, three long years, and then they were going to serve in the king's palace. Now, right from the start, Daniel, along with three other Israelites, and we're going to look at them when I preach again at the end of the month, so distinguished himself and themselves right from the start. In fact, right from the beginning, when they were offered the king's food and the wine, Daniel actually said he resolved not to defile himself. And so he said to the chief official, test us. He says, give us just water to drink and vegetables to eat for 10 days. Test us. And then you see how we fare compared with the other young men. So the chief um, official did this. And basically, they were way healthier than all the other young men. Now, God had given these four young men knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And for Daniel, in particular, he'd given him the gift of understanding visions and dreams, it says, of all kinds. So they went through their three years of service and training, and they were presented to the king. And the king at this time was King Nebuchadnezzar. And listen to this, he found them to be 10 times better than all his magicians, 
all his enchanters and all his sorcerers. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what, church, the forces of darkness have nothing on the Holy Spirit. Amen? They have nothing on the Holy Spirit. So let's now pick up the story again in Daniel 6, because you can see how he got to this position. Because of his excellent spirit, because he was dedicated to God, he excelled in everything that he put his hand to. Oh, how we should be like that as children of God. Amen? We should be the most honest employees, the hardest working, because we should be set apart for God. So the other administrators and satrap, well, they got jealous. <laughs> There's a surprise. They wanted him out of the way. But because he was so totally trustworthy, and the Bible tells us he wasn't corrupt, and he wasn't negligent, they couldn't find anything to bring him down. I bet they went through everything with a fine tooth comb. I bet they did in order to try to bring him down. And there wasn't one thing that they could find, not one. Hallelujah. So in the end, finally, they said, we're never going to find any basis for charges against him unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they concocted a plan, a very devious plan, a very evil plan. So let's pick it up from verse 6. So all the administrators and the satrap went as a group to the king, all 122 of them. And they said, oh, King Darius, live forever. <laughs> the royal administrators prefects, satraps, advisors and governors, so that obviously consulted others as well. We have all agreed, O king, that you should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone, that anyone, O king, that prays to any god or any man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Oh, that was extreme. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Oh, my, they had done their homework, hadn't they just? These were intelligent men. They ruled the kingdom so that the king wouldn't suffer loss. I bet you, church, that had a lot of board meetings. Yeah. I bet you they'd had a lot of board meetings. That's what they do, don't they, when there's a company in crisis? There's been a lot of that recently in the news. Certain banks having board meetings in the middle, in the early hours. And I bet you they had a board meeting. It was like, you know, what are we going to do? Let's do this because then we've got him. So King Darius put the decree in writing. You see, they thought they'd got it all sewn up. They thought that they had thought of everything. And they had 
Accept God. <laughs> Amen. 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 They thought they had thought of everything. There was 122 of them. They'd done their homework. They'd done their research. And they had thought of everything, church. But God, but God, but God. You know, they must have watched Daniel for a long time. And there's this scripture in Proverbs, and I love it, and it says this. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I want to tell you, Christians, today, it doesn't matter what man may plot against you. The Lord's purpose for your life will prevail. Hallelujah. When you are in God Almighty's hand and you are secure there, don't worry what men might come against you, what lies they might bring against you. Because you are safe and secure when the Lord Almighty holds you. Because he knows the plots of men and he laughs at them because he is sovereign over you. Hallelujah. So let's see what happens next. And this scripture will come on the screen. So when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, what did he do? He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Oh, what a man of God he was. I wonder what I would have done. Facing being ripped apart by lions, that's what he faced. He knew he'd been set up. He was an intelligent man. He'd known these men. He'd worked with them. But it amazes me, you know, he got down on his knees. And what did he do? He gave God thanks. Wow, he gives God thanks. Why? Because he knew his life was in God's hand. The king didn't hold his life. The administrators didn't hold his life. The satraps didn't hold his life. The lions didn't hold his life. God Almighty held his life. Hallelujah. And God Almighty, when you know him, he holds your life in the palm of his hand. So he's there praying. Do you know what? He could have compromised because he could have kept the window shut. Never thought of that. He could have closed the window because it said his windows opened towards Jerusalem. So he could have said, well, Lord, it's only 30 days. I'm still going to pray, Lord. I'm still going to get my knees, but I just won't open the window. But you see, to him, that would have been sin because it would have been compromise. And compromise is when you go below what you know is right thing to do. But because he was a man sold out and dedicated to God, he wasn't prepared to do this. Well, the men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So not only do we know that they were watching him, but they must have been listening too. Otherwise, how would they have known that? So they probably came right under his window. He probably saw them. 
And then they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. I bet they did. They didn't waste any time. This is what they said. Did you, king, so it's his fault now, not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown to the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. It's interesting that in my Bible, in verse 12, the king responded with exactly the same words that they'd said to him in verse 8. Then they said to the king, oh, I can just imagine their faces at this point. Well, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Then the scripture tells us when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. You know, King Darius wasn't a young man. He was 62 when he came to the throne. But he realises now that because of his own pride and ego, he has condemned an innocent man to death. And not any innocent man, but the man that he wanted to rule over the whole of his kingdom. Boy, had he been duped. And the king now realised it. He tried everything in the natural to get Daniel off the hook. All day he spent trying to somehow reverse what he had put in writing, but to no avail. So in the natural, he tried to get him off the hook. Let me tell you this, you might want to write this down. The natural cannot confine a supernatural God. The natural cannot confine a supernatural God. I love that. But now it was sundown. And the men went as a group to the king again. (laughs) They said to him, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, I can imagine, imagine them all going there, all 122 of them. Now remember, O king, this is what you've written. It cannot be changed. You know, they really wanted Daniel dead, didn't they? Yeah. And so did the enemy. Yeah. So the king gave the order and they bought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. I want you to remember that. They threw Daniel into the lion's den and the king said this to him. He said, Daniel, may the God, may your God, whom you serve continually, see he knew him, rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation could not be changed. The king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating, without any entertainment, and he could not sleep. He did not have a good night. He did not have a good night. 
At the first light of dawn, the king got up. He hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, and I can just imagine that his heart was in his throat, as we say, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? He didn't know at that point what was going to happen. He must have felt so terrible and gutted and angry with himself and I would imagine furious at his satraps and administrators for what they had done. And then Daniel answered, oh, I tell you, oh, I'd have loved to have seen the king's face at that point. He said, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel. One angel. One angel. And he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. You know, Daniel had a better night than the king. He had a better night than the king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Now, I bet the enemy wasn't overjoyed, and I bet the satraps and administrators, they weren't overjoyed either. And listen to this. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So bear in mind that they threw him into the den. Now, we don't know how deep the den was. The Bible doesn't tell us. I only imagine it was fairly deep. And yet, even them throwing Daniel in, no wound was found on him. But not only did God shut the mouths of the lions, but think about it, they could have pawed him to death, clawed him to death, you know? But they didn't. You know, they probably lay next to him and kept him warm. You see, creatures and animals, they have to bow to the name of Jesus. Do you know, let me just digress and tell you this story because I love this. But there was a Christian that was going to somebody's house. I don't know when it was or where it was. But this massive, massive dog came out of nowhere and up and snarling and about to, like he was going to attack him. And this Christian just pointed, he said, creature, remember your creator, Jesus Christ. And this dog went back in the spirit on all four four paws in the air. Love it. Love it. Can you imagine him lying there, this massive dog? (laughs) So at the king's command now, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. Get this, along with their wives and children. 
their sin affected their families. Get this. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Wow. Wow. It's dangerous to mess with a child of the Most High God. Wow, what an incredible story. What an incredible story. And in fact, if we look in Daniel 6, let's see what happened then and what the king said. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. Hallelujah. And he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. Hallelujah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And this is where I want to bring it to a close and then we're going to pray because I know there are people here that are facing situations. And I want to say to you, whatever you are facing, God is more than equal to it. It may look absolutely impossible in the natural. Well, God specializes in things thought impossible. And he is the same God today on the 6th of August, 2023, as he was on the day that Daniel was thrown into that den. He is the same God. Hallelujah. He is the same God. God. And there is nothing that is too hard for him. You may be facing sickness today. Perhaps you've been given a death sentence by the doctor. I want to tell you there is no sickness that he cannot heal. Amen. Amen. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. There is no cancerous cell that he cannot obliterate in your body. You may be facing perhaps relationship pressures, perhaps in your marriage, difficult family situations, perhaps with children or teenagers or parents or brothers or sisters and on and on. I want to tell you, there is no marriage marriage relationship, there is no family relationship that God cannot restore. 
there really isn't. Perhaps you're facing financial problems, unpaid bills, we know with the cost of living, rising mortgage costs, you may be wondering how you're going to make ends meet. Perhaps you're facing bankruptcy or even the risk of losing your home. I want to tell you there is no debt that you cannot resolve. And when we know the Lord and we do our bit and we work hard, God can bring that promotion. He can bring that other job. He can open the door for you. He has promised to provide for our needs. And we will not allow the consistently righteous to made to slip, fall or fail. Perhaps you're facing a work situation, a difficult work situation, job pressures, seemingly unattainable targets or unbelievable deadlines that you have to meet. I want to tell you there is nothing in your workplace that he is not sovereign over. You are a child of the most high God. Amen. Amen. You are a child of the most high God. He orders your steps. The steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. And he can open doors that no other man can open and no other man can shut. Amen. God will do that for you because you're his child when we're walking in the spirit and not the flesh. You may be facing grief, grief sorry, over losing a loved one. I want to tell you there is no broken heart that he cannot heal. And that doesn't mean, because there's many of us here that have lost loved ones, it doesn't mean that we ever stop loving them or we ever stop missing them. Of course not. But you know what? When you know the Lord, he gives us the grace to carry on and smile again. Nearly finished. Dr. Joseph Stonel says this, even though your heart is breaking and tears are clouding your eyes and staining your cheeks, God does give us something worth trusting in tough times. And that's him and him alone. Let me read that again. Even though your heart is breaking, and I know we have many widows and widowers with us today, even though your heart is breaking and tears are clouding your eyes and staining your cheeks, God does give us something worth trusting in in tough times, and that's him and him alone. And finally, on the screen, you know, there is no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. There is no person too hard for the Lord to save. There is no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. And there is no place too hard for the Lord to revive. You should read that again. There is no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. Ask and you will receive. Yes, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. There is no person too hard for the Lord to save. Many of you are praying and we did this morning, didn't we, Pat, as he led in pre-service prayer, praying for family and friends and loved ones, all church. If you've got family that are not walking with the Lord, keep praying for them. Keep standing in the gap for them. Keep believing. Amen. Amen. God hears your prayers. 
he hears the cry of the righteous, the Bible says, and he's attentive to our cry. He's attentive to your cry when you pray for your loved one. And there is no person too hard. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't know. They're so hard, that person. Well, they're not too hard for the Holy Spirit. Amen. They're not too hard for the Holy Spirit. And in my experience, I often find when they come to the Lord, they make such radical Christians. Amen. Make radical Christians. There is no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. The Bible says, cast your burdens onto the Lord. Amen. Releasing the weight of them. That's such a weight, aren't they, when we're carrying our problems. God said he doesn't want us to carry our problems. Release them onto the Lord and he will carry them. Amen. He's promised to do that. And there is no place too hard for the Lord to revive. Amen. And don't we believe that over Stratford and Warwickshire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He is your light in the darkness. He is faithful in your valley and he is working in your waiting. You may think nothing's happening. Let me tell you, God never goes to sleep. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, I'm so glad about that. He never needs to sleep. He is always awake. And he sees all what is going on. What the enemy means for evil, God will turn it for your good and for his glory. Oh, give God some praise. Come on. God will turn it for your good. And for his glory. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely nothing. What do you need from the Lord today? Do you need a miracle? Do you need breakthrough? Do you need healing? Do you need salvation? Whatever you need today, church, the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to meet with you. Amen.